time if you need it to to find the book of Nahum. It may not be one that you turn to uh, every day, so go ahead and and turn there. If you need help, there's this great thing called the table of contents. Don't be afraid to look there to to find where Nahum is. Book of Nahum, this is is our second sermon in this series, And, and I want us to be really honest tonight as we, as we deal with this book. I, I think a lot of times we struggle with the Old Testament. I think a lot of times we struggle with understanding what some of these things mean, especially when we get into a, a book like Nahum in the Minor Prophets. Nahum says things like, uh, like tangled thorns and like those who are drunk with their drink, they're going to be consumed as stubble, completely withered. And he says things like, the shields of his mighty men are colored red, the warriors are dressed in scarlet, the chariots are enveloped in flashing steel when he's prepared to march, the cypress spears are brandished. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not often that I have cypress spears taking place in my day-to-day life, and shields of mighty men colored red, and warriors dressed in scarlet. And so we run across passages like this, and, and, and it's hard for us to figure out what they mean and how it applies to us today. You know, it's a lot easier to take something like the Apostle Paul when he writes in the book of Philippians. You know, when he says something like, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Now, now that's something you can grab onto, right? That you, you can read that and you can know what it means. You know, I'm not supposed to be selfish. I'm supposed to think of others before myself. I mean, this is something uh, that I'll preach, right? I can stand before you right now and I can talk about how you do not need to be selfish, how you as a body need to be united together. You know, just off the top of my head, you know, we go into that because that's something that we can identify with, right? But then we get into Nahum where it says, from you came one who plotted evil against the world, a a worthless counselor. It's a little more difficult. How do we handle that? But here's the thing that I want us to understand tonight. You and I need the book of Nahum. And you and I need what the book of Nahum says to us. What did Paul say in 2 Timothy 3.16? All scripture is what? All right, audience participation is okay in the evening service. All scripture is what? Yes, it's inspired by God. It's breathed out by God. And it's what? It's profitable. Good, you've memorized this text. All Scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable. That it is useful. It's profitable for what? You remember that part that comes next? Teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. So the man of God may be what? Remember this part next? Equipped, adequate, thoroughly prepared for every good work. Now, when Paul was writing this, Did he have just in mind the things that he was writing? No, what does he have in mind? The Old Testament, of course. So, here's the thing. You and I need the book of Nahum if we're going to be adequately equipped. You and I will profit from studying this book. It will help us to be all that God has called us to be. Now, it's not easy, and it's not something that that we can just pick up and read as easily as Philippians, but we need it. 
a couple weeks ago, we started this series. We're going to be working through the book of Nahum. We're going to go into Habakkuk uh, here in a few more weeks. What I want us to see is I want us to see how rich these books are. And I want us to see how these books will intersect our lives and how you and I will profit when we study these and when we dive into them. But here's the thing. I don't think that we will understand Nahum unless we understand where Nahum is coming from. And so what I want us to do for just a minute is I want us to imagine ourselves in Nahum's world. I want you to imagine that you are a faithful Jew. You're part of a family of faithful Jews. But pretty much the rest of Israel is not faithful. You look around and you see all these other people, so much of the rest of your country turned away from God. And you see them rejecting God. You see them turning to idols. The past couple hundred years, actually, all of Israel seems to be just going to follow after these false gods. But you and your family still walk faithfully. Because so much of Israel has been unfaithful to God, the whole northern kingdom of your country has been wiped out. An invading army has come in, decimated them. And so now that same army, that same empire that wiped out the northern part of your country is getting bigger and bigger and more powerful and more powerful and more and more wicked. And so now you're living under the threat of this evil empire and you know that at any moment this evil empire could come in and wipe out your city. And you know what these people do. These are the people who, when they come in, they don't just come in and take over a city. They take the men of the city and skin them. And a thousand other things that that we can't even mention. And so when you go to bed at night, you know that this, this is a reality of what your family may face, and what your kids may face. And you just see your country crumbling around you because they've turned away from God. And your question is, how long is this going to go on? How long is this evil going to be taking place in my country? How long, O oh Lord, am I going to have to go through this? Is my country going to have to go through this? This is what I want to bring us back to right now. You know, the reality is that, that we right now don't have this evil empire sitting on our doorstep. It may happen one day when we face an army. But right now, that's not something that we're going through. But here's one thing that I can say with confidence. You and I live in a world of evil. You and I are constantly surrounded by evil. It's a world of injustice. It's a world that often hates God. And you live in a world in which people suffer. You live in a world in which you suffer. There's pain, there's anxiety, there's angst, there's suffering. Our hearts break. There are times where we go through things that 
are almost too deep for us to be able just to walk through. And so my question for tonight is the same question that faced the people of Judah during this time. Where is your hope? Where is your hope in the midst of an evil world? Where is your hope when suffering comes? Where is your hope when your life is filled with indescribable pain? Where is your hope when everything seems to be going dark around you? Where is your hope when the injustice keeps on coming and all you see around you is evil? Where is your hope? Church, tonight, I want the book of Nahum to drive us. I want it to point us to see that when evil surrounds us, what we are to do is to hope in God. We are to hope in God because the God whom we serve is not blind to the evil of this world. All right, this is where I want you to pick up with me in the book of Nahum now. Hope in God because God is not blind to the evil in this world. Because Nahum was looking out and he saw the Assyrian army, he saw the evil, he saw the atrocity, atrocities that were taking place, he realized that God was not blind to what was taking place. Chapter 1, I want you to notice what Nahum does here. Because if you don't catch this, you're going to really struggle uh, with understanding it. All right, so look, verses 9, 10, 11. Nahum is the one who's speaking here. And he's writing as if he is talking to Assyria, this wicked, evil empire. All right, so now look down at verse 12. Read through verse 12 real quick. Who's talking now? Who is it? The Lord. The Lord is talking at this point. And he's talking to Judah. He's not talking to Assyria. So we've moved from uh, Nahum talking to Assyria to now the Lord is talking to Judah. Now, scoot on down just a little bit further. It's verse 14. Who's talking in verse 14? All right, it's still the Lord. But now he's talking to somebody different. He's talking to this king of Assyria. So he's gone, we've gone from talking to Assyria to talking to Judah, now back to talking to Assyria. Now, verse 15, we get another shift in who's being talked to. He's talking to, look in the middle of verse 15, who's he talking to? Oh, Judah, yeah, he says, celebrate your feast, oh, Judah. So we've got Assyria, Judah, Assyria, Judah, this moving back and forth in conversation. It's like I'm talking to Todd one minute, and then I'm talking to Jeff another minute. And if you don't get this idea of the conversation that's going back and forth, you'll miss the point of what's taking place uh, here in the text. All right, so I want, here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to start out by just seeing what does God say to Assyria. Let's start out with a conversation that's directed to them. What is God saying? What is the prophet Nahum saying to this evil empire? All right, this is what, this is what we're going to focus on first. All right, so pick up with me. Verse 9, we're going to move through verse 11 quickly. All right, whatever you devise against the Lord... He will make a complete end of it. Distress will not rise up twice. Like tangled thorns and those, like those who are drunken with their drink, they're consumed as stubble completely withered. From you has gone forth one who has plotted evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. All right, this is Nahum talking, remember? This is Nahum, he's addressing all this evil empire of Assyria. And what he's doing here is he is recognizing the evil that they have been doing. And he says in Verse 9, he says that they have been devising evil against the Lord. 
It's not just that they have stumbled into evil. It's not that they're practicing evil, but they have been intentionally planning and working out evil, not just against the people of Israel, but they have been working evil against God himself. And so the same idea goes on in verse 11. Look at that again. From you has gone forth one who is what? Plotted. One who has plotted evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. And so scholars look at this, and they, who's this one that they're talking about? Maybe, maybe this is the, the king Sennacherib. Uh, he's an evil king who's described in, in the book of 2 Kings who, who comes in against Judah. Uh, it could be referring to uh, all the kings of Assyria kind of tied in together and saying they're all these wicked ones. It doesn't really matter which one it's talking about. What matters is that Nahum is pointing us to this saying God sees the evil that the Assyrians are doing. He sees their wickedness. And so now I want you to see what he says is going to happen to them. Look at verse 9. He says, God will make a complete end of it. Distress will not rise up twice. They've risen up once to oppose God's people, but they will not rise up twice. Because here's what's going to happen. In verse 10, like tangled thorns, they are consumed as stubble completely withered. Have you ever gone out camping or been around a campfire and you've thrown something like leaves on the fire, dried up brush, dried up thorns? What happens to it? It's immediately consumed. You can see those things thrown on the fire and they start crackling and bursting into flame immediately. This is what God is saying is going to happen to Assyria. They are going to burn under his wrath. God sees the evil, and he is going to deal with their evil. Now, who's talking here? Verses 9 through 11. This is Nahum, right? Now, how can Nahum know that this is going to happen? How can Nahum be so confident that this empire, these evil people, are going to be brought to nothing by God? Because it goes back to exactly what we saw a couple weeks ago when Todd preached in chapter 1. Look back through with me, chapter 1, real quick. I want to see, because what Nahum is doing is he's saying, this is who my God is, so this is what I can know is going to happen. God, verse 2, God is what? A jealous and avenging God. This is a God who is going to bring wrath on his enemies. This is a God who is slow to anger, but he won't let the guilty go unpunished forever. This is the God who rebukes the sea, and when he does, it dries up. This is the God who, when he moves, the mountains quake. This is the God who causes the hills to dissolve to nothing. And if this is the God who Nahum knows and is talking about, and this is the God of the people of Judah, nothing can stand against him. No matter how big, how powerful this empire is, nothing can stand against the sovereign, powerful, righteous, wrathful God. And so Nahum looks at that and says, I can be confident. I can know that this will be dealt with. And this is exactly what he keeps on saying. Look at verse 14. The Lord has issued a command concerning you. Now, this is the Lord speaking of what the command is. Your name will no longer be perpetuated. I will cut off idol and image from the house of your gods. I will prepare your grave, for you are contemptible. Again, this is the Lord speaking to, to the king uh, of Assyria. 
Uh, and he is saying that there's not going to be anyone who is going to sit on your throne after you. I am going to bring you down. Your son will not be on it. I'm going to cut off your idols and your image. Those gods that you worship in your house, they are going to be carried away in battle by the armies that rule over you. I'm going to prepare your grave. You will not stand against me. I will bring you down. God sees their evil. God is not blind to the evil of the Assyrian Empire. He knew what was going on. He saw what they were doing. He saw that. And church, here's what I want you to see. Here's where I want to bring it back to us today. God is not blind to the evil in our world today. The God who saw Assyria is the God who sees today. He's the God who sees that right now there are 20 to 30 million slaves in the world. He's the God who sees that 80% of those are human trafficking for sexual exploitation. He's the God who sees that the average age for those little girls is 12 years old. He's the God who sees that a million babies are murdered in America each year in the name of choice. He's the God who sees injustice after injustice after injustice in our world. And it's not just the big picture. It's not just these big, huge statistics that God sees. God sees the man who gets out of his car, stops at a store, and as he's walking away from his car, two men come, beat him, take his money for drugs, and leave him to die. This is the God who sees, who sees all evil. You know, we, we wonder why these things happen. We look at the evil that's surrounding us. We look at the suffering in the world. And we wonder, why is this happening? But what we do know is God is not blind to that. God is not blind to the things that take place in this world. And we can be, be, be confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that our God will deal with the evil in this world. Nahum 1.3, the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm in his, is his way, and clouds are the dust beneath his feet. He is the Lord Almighty, mountains quake before him. He will one day bring all evil to an end. He sees it, and he will one day deal with it. Perfectly, completely, in his justice and his righteousness, it will be brought to an end. But just as the Lord is not blind to the evil in this world, church, I want you to understand that the Lord is not blind to the evil that comes into your life. The Lord is not blind when you go through suffering and pain. when the evil of this world intersects with your life. This is where I want us to pick up with where God is speaking to the people of Judah. So look with me at verse 12, start, starting there. Thus says the Lord. He's speaking to his people, his covenant people here. 
Though they are at full strength, this is speaking of the empire of, of Assyria, though they are at full strength and likewise many, even so, they will be cut off and passed away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no longer. So now I will break his yoke bar from upon you. I will tear off your shackles. This is a prophecy that was written that was at the height of the power of the Assyrian army. They were at their strongest, at their largest, thousands upon thousands of soldiers who could go into a place at any time and totally wipe it out. But God says, even though they are at their strength, your enemy that is stronger than you've ever known them before, no longer will they afflict you. No longer will they bring suffering upon you because I'm going to break the yoke from off your neck. You know the picture of a yoke. It's, it's a, a piece of wood that's placed over an animal that, that's in subjection to its master so his master can, can control it. God is saying to the people of Judah, I'm going to break their oppression over you and take it off from you. I'm going to break the shackles that they're holding on you and I'm going to set you free from that. Though they're at their highest power, They do not stand before me. I am the God of all power. Mountains quake before me. The hills dissolve before me. They stand as nothing before this God. You see, the people of Judah were the people of God. They were his people. He hadn't forgotten them. He hadn't forgotten his promises to them. He still held them in his hands. He was still their God, and he would still work out his good and perfect purposes for them. Because they were his covenant people. And church, here's what I want us to see. God doesn't just see the evil that comes in our world. But God sees when evil touches our lives. Without a doubt, you can be confident that that when suffering and pain and difficulty when those things strike your life, you can know that God sees that. He knows it. God was not blind to the worst thing that ever came in your life. That worst pain and suffering that you ever went through, God saw that. Whatever suffering that you are going through right now, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, God sees that. And whatever you might face in the future, God will see that too. And if you belong to him, then you can know with unswerving certainty that the faithfulness of God continues on and on and on, no matter what it is that comes into your life. And there will come a day, whether it's in this life or in the one to come, where God's words will ring true in your life, where he says, I will afflict you no longer. Whether it's in this life or the one to come, you will know, I will suffer no longer from this. God will have complete victory over this, because our God is not blind to our pain, and our God will deal with evil in this world and in this life. You know, earlier I mentioned to you that God was not blind to the man who stopped at a, at a random store, got out and was beaten, his money taken for drugs, and left to die. When I was about 14 years old, I remember standing in the dining room of 
my house. And I remember my mom weeping in front of me, telling me how her brother had stopped at a store, had gotten out to get something. Two men jumped him and beat him and left him to die. And I remember how the next day I saw my dad and he told me how he had died. Was God blind to that evil? Absolutely, 100% not. The God who created me was the God who held me and sustained me through the evil that struck my life. And we can be confident, certain, that the God who created all things is the God who holds his people in his hands. That no matter what comes into your life, I can speak this with certainty. If you are his, you will always be his. And the sustaining power of our God is unbelievable. His faithfulness is unending. To hold his people in the midst of suffering. You see, when you go through the worst thing that you can imagine, it's not just that God sees, but that God sees and knows and sustains when that comes. Brothers and sisters, I can promise you this is our God. So, what do we do? What do we do when that suffering, when that evil strikes our life? How are we to respond? It's verse 15. I want you to look at that. What do we do when suffering, when pain, oppression are around us, when it intersects our lives? You hope in God. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Celebrate your feasts, O Judah. Pay your vows, for never again will the wicked one pass through you. He is cut off completely. God is speaking to the people of Judah here. And he gives them a picture of what is getting ready to come. And it's this picture of a messenger running across the hills of Judah. Running across the hills of Judah, making his way to Jerusalem, running to get to the city. And he's bringing this message to the city. And he's crying out as he enters in, and the people are looking at him, watching him. And he's saying to all the people, peace, peace, we finally have peace. These people that have stood against us for so long, they are no more. God has brought them down. People, we have the peace that we've longed for. They are no more. We can celebrate. We can have our feasts. We can be joyful in knowing his victory. Now, here's the question. Is this a picture of something that was happening right then? Or is it a picture of something that was to come? It's a picture of something to come, right? So now when God tells them to celebrate their feasts and to pay their vows, to, to live faithfully, is he telling them to wait and do that when the messenger comes and the victory comes? Or is he telling them, do that right now? 
do it now. So what do you do when suffering strikes your life? What do you do when the evil surrounds you? What do you do when pain is in your life that you cannot even describe? You hope in God. And you press on in faithfulness, knowing that the God who called you and created you remains faithful to you and has not turned away. Though the darkness surrounds you, there is the Lord of light. Brothers and sisters, God is not blind to the evil that's in our world. And I can promise you that God is not blind to the suffering that you have gone through or that you will go through. Hope in God. Walk in Him. Walk in faithfulness when that darkness is there. I want you to hear what Nahum says about God. Nahum 1.7 The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who take refuge in Him. Here's my call to us. That when this comes in your life, and as you live in the midst of an evil world, find Him as the refuge. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though you face evil, though you face suffering, though pain comes in your life, though all these things surround you, hope in God. The one who continues to stand as the eternal refuge for his people. Let's hope in him. Hope in him as we live in the midst of this world, and as we live through dark and difficult times in our life. Let's pray.